You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copped off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, or simply asking your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. And today we are continuing with this uh, division to division crossover week that we've been doing with the NFC South brought to you by Built Bar. We got the Panthers on deck today. So we will be talking to uh, Bill Rossetti over there at Locked On Panthers. I actually went on his show earlier in the offseason when they signed Stephen Weatherly to talk about that, talk about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, so we'll, we'll rehash a couple of those things for you guys. And as always, uh, Bill asked me questions about the Vikings, and that's over on his show if you want to go check that out. We also have a couple of profiles that I'm very excited for, and I'm going to start off with those. And I want to start with a player from last year's draft class who's coming into his second year, Armin Watts. Armin Watts, a defensive tackle out of Arkansas was incredibly highly recruited after coming from one of the blue chip programs in Missouri called Christian Brothers Catholic Prep. And he gets all sorts of recruiting offers out of this high school. He gets offers from Mizzou, from Kentucky, from Wisconsin. He ends up choosing Arkansas to go play on the defensive line. They move him all over the defensive line, trying to find a fit for him. And despite a hot start in one of his first games as a freshman, where he actually gets an interception off the defensive line, he then disappears for two or three years. He goes on to blame work ethic, and he kind of understands why he wasn't getting the the run that maybe he should have, but he was also kind of waiting in the wings. Quinnen Williams was there on Arkansas. He was somebody that uh, was taking up some of the snaps, you know, at like at nose tackle. Uh, actually, I think he played three technique there at Arkansas. But anyways, he ends up moving inside and really embracing that position switch and in his own words changing his mentality changing the way that he approaches the game approaches his work ethic and really accepting the fact that you know coming from a blue chip high school program there they were 11 and 1 his uh, junior year they went to almost uh, almost to the state finals in Missouri and going from that sort of blue blood uh you know everything is successful i'm the greatest to being stuck on the bench for two or three years is kind of going to give some guys a kick in the butt. And that's what happens with Armin Watts, who absolutely explodes his senior year. And his senior year is what puts him on the map for NFL teams. Before that, he couldn't have thought that he had, was ever going to have a chance in the NFL. But sure enough, that chance comes. He ends up after a, a, an electric senior year as a defensive tackle. He ends up getting himself a chance by getting drafted in the sixth round to the Minnesota Vikings to a completely stacked defensive tackle room. He actually couldn't have landed in a worse spot when it comes to chances to make the team. Now, he gets the coaching of Andre Patterson. That's always going to be a boon for every defensive lineman that ends up in Minnesota. That's one of the Vikings' greatest strengths. But it sure was looking like a really, really rough 
start for the young kid who might have only been a one-year wonder anyways. He has to crack a group that was already, uh, you know, had two entrenched starters in Shamar Stefan, who had just signed a big contract to be the starter, or a big contract at least for a defensive tackle. Linval Joseph, who of course went into the year as bona fide superstar, and the depth was pretty fleshed out as well with Jalen Holmes and Jaleel Johnson, and even this this wild card in Hercules Mata'afa. And then he kind of had, oh yeah, and by the way, um, Ar- Armin Watts is in the, the group as well. However, after an absolutely stellar preseason, Armin Watts ends up convincing the Vikings to keep six defensive tackles on the roster, and all six of those guys end up actually staying on the roster throughout 2019, rotating in and out, uh, changing between active and inactive, and over the course of the season... Armin Watts got more and more run for the Minnesota Vikings, culminating in perhaps the most memorable moment of Armin Watts' time with the Vikings, an interception against Seattle that came off of his tipped hand. In that wild Monday night game, Armin Watts actually gets his hand up and gets his his hand on the ball, and it ends up falling right into Anthony Harris's lap, who ends up taking it to the house for six, which ends up being pretty important as the Vikings were in that game down to the very end. But beyond that, as a rotational player, Armin Watts had proven himself to be at the very least rosterable, if not somebody who deserves to compete for the start. He played mostly nose tackle in 2019. So headed into 2020, you have really good performance from your backup defensive tackle. So what do you do? You cut the starter for cap space, which was seemed to be kind of an option for uh, the Vikings with Linval Joseph, Armin Watts, or no. And then they end up getting another free agent to replace him in Michael Pierce. So going into the 2020 season, it looks like it's going to be really difficult for Armin Watts to actually get a starting spot on the roster. But in a never-say-never way, it looked like it was going to be tough for him to make the team in 2019, and he did that and even got more run than guys like uh, Jaleel Johnson or Hercules Mata'afa. So with a strong preseason, I don't know, anything is possible for the kid, who also can play three technique, however the Vikings seem pretty intent on him as a nose tackle. There is also an added kind of influx of competition in that room with James Lynch joining the defensive tackle room, and uh, a fairly low likelihood that the Vikings keep six again in, in 2020 like they did in 2019. But for a player like Armin Watts, who's used to being the underdog, who's used to being overlooked, he might have the Vikings right where he wants them. So stick around. I am going to go over a speedy undrafted free agent wide receiver who is very exciting coming right up, as well as the Locked On crossover with Locked On Panthers. That crossover event, as well as this entire month of the Locked On Podcast Network, is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a naturally flavored, no preservatives, low in sugar breakfast or post-workout protein bar that doesn't have that classic, chalky, disgusting, have a glass of milk just to get it down kind of taste you usually get with like a a post-workout protein bar. And for me, I like to have them in the morning. And I really don't like a ton of sugar in like a bar that I'm going to eat in the morning. And this is perfect for me. It has a really nice chocolatey flavor without being too sweet. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and with your first order on checkout, enter promo code Locked On, and that'll give you 10% off of your first order. That's BuiltBar.com promo code Locked On. As NFL fans, we don't have a lot of reason to pay attention to a spring practice for a college team that we don't root for. In this case, the blue and white game for the Penn State Nittany Lions. 
And to be frank, outside of students at PSU who were at the event and diehard Penn State fans who know the ins and outs of the roster as much as we do of our Vikings here on Locked on Vikings, there's not really much reason for anybody to pay attention to what happened in the 2019 spring practice game at Penn State. At the end of the third quarter in the spring scrimmage game, Dan Chesena, now an undrafted free agent rookie wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, lined up on the outside, and he's going to run a go pattern about 57 yards away from the end zone. Now, Chesena was a walk-on at Penn State, a relatively unknown player. In high school, he was a better track athlete than a football athlete, but the scholarship opportunity in track was never going to be there, and while he wasn't as good at football, there was a little bit more football scholarship money to go around at Penn State, so he decided to shirk track and take his chances. At this moment, Chisena has very little football experience and no college-level football experience. He played track and field from his freshman year in 2016 all the way to uh, 2018. And while he did have a red shirt freshman year in uh, 2015 when he actually started at Penn State, he never actually got on the field. It was a red shirt year. So... It shouldn't be particularly surprising that when he starts in his junior year of of college, he starts off getting a little playing time on special teams, and that's about it. He's a speedster, he can learn decently enough how to make a tackle for the college level, and he only gets kind of backup, forgettable, deep roster playing time. And so it takes until his senior year, 2019, where he's actually getting a chance to play a little bit of wide receiver in the spring game, kind of back in the position battle to see if he can't get some scrimmage time on the field. Now he, much like a lot of the players on the Vikings undrafted free agent class is really highly praised by the coaches. He's a hard worker. He's like this gritty special team speedster kid. And so when he finally gets his chance lining up on the right flank to run a go route, he flies and he gets some separation against the cornerback who plays the technique really poorly and also kind of gets an arm in the chest. But suffice it to say, Dan Chisena gets open. He catches a big long bomb and he waltzes into the end zone. His teammate comes over to congratulate him, and they're celebrating, and then something comes on over the loudspeaker, and I want you to listen really closely to this. This kid can fly. I watched him in practice on the film, and all you saw him was running past the DBs. That's the first time I watched him. Did you catch that? Listen to it again, but this time don't listen to the commentators on the broadcast. Try to listen in to the in-stadium announcer. This kid can fly. I watched him in practice on the film, and all you saw him was running past the DBs. That's the, that's the first time I watched him. If you didn't catch it that time, I'll help you out. He said, with that touchdown catch, Dan Chisena locked up a full scholarship for his final year at Penn State University. And the video of this is an incredible thing to watch. I'll link it in the show notes so that you can check it out. But you you see the kind of normal touchdown celebration where I think it was like a running back comes over and says, hey, congratulations, and, you know, nice play, blah, blah, blah. And it's a classic, you know, one or two players kind of uh, working their way over to the sideline. And then the scholarship thing happens, and you just see the entire team of all these Penn State players just swarming him. The crowd erupts. Uh, the, the commentators start to talk more about it. It's really a sight to behold because this kid was a walk-on nobody 
who had played special teams for one year, and he finds himself with a full-ride scholarship. So that momentum, suffice it to say, ends up turning a few heads, right? And I think that that is a really big part of why he ends up on the radar of the Vikings. And so they see him actually play at Penn State for a year. He still wasn't much of a starter. He started a couple games uh, in relief, but was still a special teams slash rotational guy, had a good uh, catch against Maryland, had, you know, a couple of, of special teams player of the week nominations from his coaching staff, and ultimately ran a good 40. And so now you kind of have this quick guy that's like a special teams, you know, ace type, a, a hard working, gritty, grindy kind of player. And I think similar to 2019, that wide receiver group has room for somebody to make the team on special teams. The Vikings only rostered four receivers last year, and a bunch of those guys didn't even return. That fourth guy kind of cycled around. It was Chad Beebe, then it was Treadwell, it was Josh Doxson for a while, uh, and and you know a lot of the, a couple of those guys aren't coming back. And if you look at the wide receiver group and where Danchez Senna fits into it, of course he's going to be in the long shot roster tier because he's an undrafted free agent and he'll ultimately have to beat out somebody like KJ Osborne who was drafted or beat out somebody like Chad Beebe who has tenure on the team to actually earn himself a place on the 53. And unfortunately, when it comes to the practice squad, being good at special teams doesn't quite go as far because the idea of of being like a special teams ace is that if you're good enough on special teams to justify a roster spot, you can undo not being as good of a player from scrimmage because, hey, you know, if you're the sixth wide receiver, you're never getting on the field anyways and if you're never getting on the field you have to justify your spot so if you think of a player who is maybe a decent wide receiver but can't play special teams at all and I don't really know of a good example because those guys tend to be forgotten pretty quickly after they don't make the team you know, it's really difficult to roster that that kind of guy because if they are, you know, the deep roster, if they're good enough to be a rosterable but not good enough to be, you know, wide receiver three or four and get significant snaps, then they have to be useful somehow. Otherwise, you're just going to have them inactive every game and you might as well roster somebody else. That is Dan Chisina's best shot at making it onto the roster, being that special teams guy, being that hard worker, and, and you know, having a, a decent 40 time to boot in case he does have to go in, hey, at least you can send him long and make somebody go be fast on the other side. All in all, though, I, I think he'll have to find his way onto the practice squad by showing that he can be a learner and showing that he can be, eventually, even if you have to work really hard at it, a good enough wide receiver to make a roster someday and be worth putting in the work of a practice squad slot. So that's uh, the story of two players that we got knocked out today, making some good progress there. Now we're going to switch gears and talk about one of the Vikings opponents for the upcoming 2020 season with the host of that Locked On show, just like we've been doing this week and last. So now we're going to talk to Bill Rossetti of Locked On Panthers. So stick around, that's coming right up. Okay, I am here with Bill Rossetti of Locked On Panthers. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good, Luke. Good to be, be talking to you again. How you doing? 
Yeah, good to be talking to you. Uh, for my listeners, if they missed it, I went on Locked On Panthers when they got Stephen Weatherly, talked about Weatherly, talked a little about Teddy Bridgewater. And that's kind of where I actually want to start is uh, with now the kind of the future of the Carolina Panthers rests on Teddy Bridgewater, right? I mean, I, if, I, I don't remember uh, the Panthers getting anybody that would really compete with him. They got PJ Walker, which is maybe the coolest backup in the league from the XFL. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this is this is Teddy show now, right? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. This is the Teddy show for now. You know, we thought there was a possibility that the Panthers are going to draft a quarterback uh, this year, but obviously that didn't happen because they went all defense, which was a uh, quite interesting in and of itself. So yeah, for at least I would say this year and possibly even next year, depending on, you know, where they sit in the draft and uh, what kind of position they're in to get one of those top quarterbacks. This is uh this is Teddy's show. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for it. You know, um, Bridgewater, of course, has that connection with Joe Brady. They they worked together in 2018 when Brady was with the Saints. So I'm really excited to see what Brady can do with this offense, with Teddy, and, you know, all the weapons that the Panthers went out and got for Teddy. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a pretty exciting time. You know, I, I think it's going to be uh, another rough year. But um, I think just the flashes that are going to be shown – uh, with this team, especially on offense, uh, and really both sides of the ball, but you know certainly on offense, I, I think are going to be fun to follow. Yeah, it's a <laughs> turned into a hell of a division too. Yeah, um, it's interesting because you know in, in Minnesota we had North Turner and Teddy at the same time, and there were actually a lot of debates in Minnesota because the offense wasn't great during that time. Uh, you know, the 2015 season, the Vikings made the playoffs, but it was mostly based on defense, and you know a lot of there was a lot of reliance on Adrian Peterson. Um, and so a lot of people were kind of wondering, well, is it Teddy's fault? Is it Norv's fault? And I guess we kind of get this weird uh, kind of controlled environment to test that with you guys. But I actually want to move to the defense. So you draft all defense. And I actually didn't pay too much attention to the Panthers last year, mostly because the Vikings didn't have to play them. Uh, was the defense that bad? Did they really need that much of an influx of talent? Or did a lot of people leave? Like I know Luke Keekley retired and all that. But was the defense in so bad a way that it really justifies using an entire draft on just defense and not touching the offense? not putting any help around you know your new quarterback yeah absolutely um I, I I go back to the phrase that Trey Wingo used during the draft and I think I thought he hit the nail on the head when he said it uh he said fix the damn defense and that's exactly what the Panthers needed to because yeah the, the Panthers you know you're right they did lose a lot of players but uh the product they had on field last year was that bad I mean, especially the run defense, you know, so it makes a lot of sense why they went Derek Brown with their first pick because this was one of the worst rush defenses, not just last year, but in like the history of the league. You know, there aren't too many quarter or uh, there aren't too many defenses. I I forget the the number offhand, but the, the Panthers were right up there in terms of number of rushing touchdowns they allowed. Uh, in 2019, like it was, it was somewhere around like 30 rushing touchdowns they allowed. So, you know, basically teams could just run at will uh, on, on the Panthers defense. So it, it was bad. And, you know, it, it was a shame too, because I mean, you know, they had the big free agent signing of, or at least we thought would be a big free agent signing of Gerald McCoy, but McCoy kind of, you know, he didn't have that firepower that he had in Tampa Bay. And of course he's gone now to Dallas. And like you mentioned, Luke Keekley retired um, Mario Addison is in Buffalo. Vernon Butler's in Buffalo now. Uh, James Bradbury's with the Giants. So th- there was a lot of holes that this team needed to fill on defense. And I thought they did a nice job of, you know, starting to fill those holes. You know, 
uh, again, like like I said earlier, this is going to be a rough year for the Panthers this year. But I think once all this young talent starts to gel together, I think you're you're going to really see something special here. And I've been saying, you know, I, I think we're going to look back at this draft in like two or three years when these when these players really come into their own, and we're going to look back at this twenty. 2020 draft and be like wow Matt Rule really hit the nail on the head you know he really did a nice job uh, with his first draft yeah and that has to be the hope because if that defense doesn't come together I guess on on a macro level I guess that leads me to the next thing what's the goal for the Panthers this year? Because I mean, and I don't, I don't want to like talk trash or anything, but it doesn't seem like the Panthers have that good of a shot in the NFC South to be can. I mean, you got Drew Brees on one side, you got Tom Brady on the other side. The Falcons are always, uh, you know, at least they always have like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and they always have some threats there. And it seems like this is going to be a year that, I mean, like what's, what's the hope? Is this a year? Am I wrong about the Panthers? Is this, is this a year where you're going in and saying, no, we think we can win the South and make the playoffs? Or is this a year where you just kind of hope you're respectable enough to not get the house cleaned out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a fans are obviously aware that this is definitely a rebuilding year. Um, You know, they, they retooled a little bit with, uh, with some of the moves they did in free agency, particularly on the offensive side of the football, but this is almost a full-blown rebuild and like like you said the division is just so good and the Panthers really don't have the personnel right now to compete with the Saints to compete with the Panthers and probably even to compete with the Falcons as well you know so this is and even just looking at the schedule like there's not a lot of winnable games uh, on paper for the Panthers right now I mean you know your division the NFC South is going to have some some tough games for the Panthers. They have the AFC West, you know, so they have to go to Kansas city week nine. They opened with the Raiders, which, you know, that can be an intriguing matchup. Uh, the Raiders definitely added a lot of speed as, as did that entire division. Really? really so the Panthers the are going to be screwed too. The Broncos. Absolutely. And, and that's a late season battle. So, um, you know, by the time that the Broncos come to Carolina, uh, those receivers will definitely have had a chance to gel with, uh, Drew Locke and you know because that, that's not till week 14 so um, up and down up and down the schedule it, it's a tough sled you know first run through when I look at this Panthers schedule I, I don't see more than like maybe six wins for this for this Panthers team so I think there's a good chance they're picking top 10 um, as far as the hope for this year it's just, you know, kind of setting that foundation, right? You know, we, we, we talk about the rebuild and we talk about just starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and, and Matt Rule's used to this. He, he's done this with two colleges now at Baylor and Temple. He, he took over two schools that had double-digit losses his first season and then in a matter of about three or four years leads them to double-digit wins. So this is a process, but um, it's a challenge that Matt Rule has accepted in the past. Now, obviously this is a different level because we're talking about the NFL, but I, I think Matt rule is, is the perfect, uh, the perfect candidate for this. So as long as you just start seeing the, the foundation or like the, the basis of this rebuild and these players developing and, you know, starting to take that next step forward, I think that's the important thing uh, to look forward to. And, you know, hopefully the big thing that they come away with this year. 
Yeah, it sounds like Teddy Bridgewater is actually a good quarterback to kind of facilitate that because he's the yeah. kind of guy that won't ruin a game for you, you know? You could call him like the ultimate game manager, the Alex Smith or whatever, but I do think he kind of – he always has you in, in the game, uh, and he's not the kind of guy that's going to like blow it with three fumble ruskies and, and the game's over by halftime. But that's <laughs> all – That's I, I'm a big Teddy defender. Uh, that's that's all I have for, uh, for Bill here and, and all my questions for the Panthers. Uh, so – we're going to go over to his show now, and for the listeners of Locked on Vikings, if you want to hear him ask me questions about the Vikings and listen to us talk Vikings, you can head over to Locked on Panthers, uh, and you'll be able to find that conversation. So I'll see you guys then. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or you can ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. Thank you all so much for hanging out and listening, and as always, Skull.